Amazing. Thank you very much, Kath, for uh, reading. My name is Johnny Clifton. If I've not met you before, I'm the pastor here at Redeem. It's great to have you with us. Um, just a heads up, really. We've, we've just come to the end of our series in Genesis, been uh, kind of going through chapter by chapter, uh, and we're not going to start a new kind of series until after Easter. So this is a bit of a one-off. Um, we're thinking about the generosity of God um, and thinking about the implications that has for our own generosity. So this isn't what we normally do. Normally, we're just in a passage and we go through it, but we're thinking more about a theme uh, this morning. Also, great to have Rooted in with us. Hi, team Rooted. Um, so once a month, they're always in with us. Uh, as ever, a couple of questions as you're uh, listening along. Um, why should we be generous? That's a question. And secondly, what can we be generous with? Why should we be generous and what can we be generous with? Brilliant. Let me pray and we'll look at these words together. Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you so much that this morning... We get to reflect on your generous character. Lord, this is something that should fill our hearts with such joy, the contemplation of you, the great God, who is generous beyond our comprehension. Please fill our hearts with joy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Now, when I was um, younger, uh, I used to watch The Simpsons on TV, so I guess those of you kind of south side of 30 probably remember The Simpsons. Are they still on? I don't know if it's still on. Maybe it is still on. But anyway, The Simpsons uh, on TV, uh, series in the 90s and, and 2000s, early 2000s, and it rolled, rolled around a boy called Bart Simpson and his family. Now, the whole kind of premise was as a mix of, of silliness and satire, and there's this one scene where Bart's dad, Homer, uh, has invited his boss uh, back um, for dinner, and he wants to give a good impression. So they're all sat around the table, and he makes the fatal mistake of asking Bart to give thanks for the food. And then Bart gives thanks, and it's all kind of cheeky, and he says, it be on the screen, God, we paid for this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. God, we paid for all this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. I say it's a bit silly, isn't it? It's a bit satirical. But deep down, as ever with The Simpsons, it's touching on something that probably is true. Deep down, I suspect that's how a lot of people think, isn't it? Instinctively. And I'm going to throw Christians here as well. Instinctively, Christian or not. Deep down, we assume that the good in our life is because of us and not God. It's our instinctive reaction. Lord, it was my brain that passed my exam, so thanks for nothing. Lord, it was my hard work that got me this position, so thanks for nothing. Lord, it was human ingenuity and medical breakthroughs that cured my sickness, so thanks for nothing. I wonder, actually, if this might be one of the things we struggle most with when it comes to God. His generosity it, not necessarily whether God is there, not necessarily whether God is in charge and ruling, but is he good? Is he generous? Is Bart Simpson right? God, thanks for nothing. And this battle to believe that God is good, that God is generous, is a battle that began with the beginning of time itself. Back in Genesis chapter 3, right at the start of all things, God has given Adam and Eve life, beautiful life, abundant life. And then the serpent, the devil, sidles up to Adam and Eve and he attacks God's character. 
And the first thing he goes for is the generosity of God. He says to Adam and Eve, your creator, your God, is keeping things back from you. If you want to flourish, you're going to have to do it on your own. He's holding things back from you. God, thanks for nothing. I think that's the lie that we have believed so instinctively ever since Genesis 3. So part of what we're going to do this morning is recalibrate our hearts and present before us a vision of God that is true. A vision of God who is abundantly generous. Let's do that in our first point. Our God is abundantly generous. We're going to be around 2 Corinthians, the reading we had, but we're going to dart all over the place. If you've got a Bible, you need quick fingers. But first, let's look at 2 Corinthians. Have a look down at verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Okay? God doesn't just bless, he blesses abundantly. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. Again, God doesn't just enrich, he enriches in every way. Or verse 14, the surpassing grace God has given you. God isn't just gracious. His grace, his kindness, surpasses all things. And verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God hasn't just given us a gift. The gift he's given is indescribable. You see, God is not just generous, he is abundantly generous. And it's not as if I've had to search through the Bible to find this one little bit that talks about God being abundantly generous. It's there everywhere from from the beginning. So, So God's act of creation itself was an act of abundant generosity. He didn't need to. He was maximally alive without creation. Perfect and complete in every way without us or creation. His act of creation is an act of generosity towards us. And then, think about the world he makes. It's not a bare minimum world, is it? God's approach to making the world isn't like my approach to tidying the house. I'll do what I can get away with. I'll do whatever I can do that I can get away with. The least I can do. He could have created one kind of tree. He could have created one kind of flower. But instead, he creates a world that is gloriously rich, deep with diversity and abundant with life. A world full of color and taste and beauty. Even ants. Do you know how many different types of ants there are in the world? 13,000 different types of ants. And then he creates a world that would keep on giving. In Genesis chapter 1, every living creature or plant that God creates is pregnant with life. He says to the land, chapter 1, verse 11, produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. Keep producing more. He, He said to the birds and the fish, Genesis 1 verse 22, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. It says to humanity, chapter 1 verse 28, 
Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. God gives life and then he says, more, more, more. I say this in the most reverent way I can, but there is something childlike in the Lord's pleasure and delight in this abundance. So so when the kids were younger, you might do the simplest thing to make them laugh or or, or smile. You you blow up a balloon and you give it to them. You you rock them on your knee. And this little voice, whatever it was you were doing, this, this, this little voice would come back again, again, again. The Lord sees the fish and the birds and the people he has made. And with delight, he says, more, 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 again. Fill the seas, fill the skies, fill the earth. Lord's generosity in creation is abundant. He delights to give more and more and more. Or pick up the Bible story at the time of Jesus. And you see the same thing. Abundant generosity. In John's gospel, the first miracle Jesus does, saves a wedding banquet from disaster. The disaster of the wine running out. It'd be a great disaster, wouldn't it? You go to a wedding, there's no wine. Jesus saves this wedding banquet from that disaster. And he turns six stone jars into, of water into wine. And again, it's not the bare minimum. He doesn't just give them enough bottles to get to the end of the day. You do the calculations and he makes 1,000 bottles of wine. Abundant generosity. It's exuberant. Or, or later on, he's in the wilderness and a crowd of 5,000 plus people have, have followed him. And they want to hear him teach. And it's getting to the end of the day and they've not eaten and Jesus has compassion on them. What's he going to do? 5,000 plus people. And he takes two loaves and five fishes and he creates enough food to feed them all. Again, it's not the bare minimum. It's very clear that there is loads of food left over. It's abundant. Or one more example in the Bible timeline, the greatest example of God's abundant generosity, the cross. At the cross, the Father holds nothing back. He gives his one and only Son to die. At the cross, the Son holds nothing back. He gives himself to die. And through the cross, the floodgates of God's generosity are then flung open. We've got a verse, it'll be on the screen from Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him, generous, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Through Jesus, we are given all things. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1 Verse 3, forgiveness for every sin, clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus. Mercy upon mercy, loving patience time and time again. A future inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. We are given all things through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so our God is abundantly generous. He is abundantly generous in creation. He is abundantly generous in salvation as well. 
He redeems us and he blesses us. And those two things go together. Why does he redeem us? So that he can pour out more of his kindness upon us. The author and theologian N.T. Wright, in his book about the Psalms, he he put it like this, it will be on the screen. God creates that which is not God, He, he creates us, out of generous love, in order that he may then, in the end, fill it, flood it, and drench it with his love and glory. He creates and he redeems so that he can flood it and fill it and drench it with his love and glory. Do not believe the devil's lie. Do not listen to Bart Simpson, God thanks for nothing. Our God is abundantly generous. He holds nothing back. Everything we have, everything we are, is from him. And do you know what is remarkable? Even though everything we have comes from him, even though it is the result of his abundant generosity, he delights in us when we act like him. And we are generous like him. So back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, Paul writes, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We'll come to the rest of that verse later. But that bit at the end, God loves a cheerful giver. It's madness, isn't it? I can only give because God has first given to me. I can only be generous because he was first generous to me. I only have the inclination in my heart to give because he grows that inclination inside me. And yet he loves it. He loves it when I give cheerfully, when I give abundantly. He smiles upon me. There was a phase when um, our, our daughter Eliza uh, loved to give presents. I think she probably still does, actually. But she, she, she loved finding random things, wrapping them up, and, and then giving them to us. And in the run-up to Christmas, the, the thing that you'd notice is that uh, one or two things would go missing from your collection of whatever it was, you know, a, a sock or a, a pen or, or a book. And then on Christmas Day, she, she would present it to you, or, or she'd give you this present. And you'd open up, and there was your, your sock or your book or whatever it is. And our response... Thank you. This is amazing. And we'd smile with pleasure. She loved giving and we loved her giving. It's the same with us and the Lord. It is all his stuff. Everything we we have that we are generous with, our time or our talents or our treasure, it is all his. But he delights in us when we give and when we are generous like him. So our first big idea, our God is abundantly generous and he even delights in our generosity. Okay, second thing, his generosity leads to more abundance. Now, now when we think about being generous with our time or or our talents or our treasures, we, we assume it's like a cup filled with water. I've got a limited amount of time. A limited number of talents. A limited amount of treasure. And if I pour some of those things out, well, they're gone. My cup is less full. And to some extent, that's true, isn't it? Being generous, giving, is often sacrificial. If I give my money away, then obviously I cannot spend that on something else. 
if I give my time away, then I cannot use it for something else. But here's the thing. In God's world, in his kind of economy, it is possible that being generous can lead to more abundance. It's true for God, and it can be true for us as well. So still with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 10. Now he, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The Lord will give us things so that we can then give to others. That's what Paul is saying. You will be enriched in every way. So the Lord gives away. He supplies seed and bread and harvests. He enriches in every way. So does that mean God is losing out then? Does he end up with less because he has given to us? Well, no, look what happens in the rest of verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God's giving does not leave God with less. In fact, his giving and pouring out results in greater praise and glory for his name. Get the same idea again in verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. All God's giving and generosity comes back to God in thanksgiving and praise and glory. God's generosity, his pouring out, does not leave God empty. So let's think about that with creation and salvation again. That the Lord gives life to the whole of creation. He animates all things by his spirit and through his word. He breathes breath into the lungs of human human beings so that we can exist. He gives and gives and gives. But he never loses out. He's never lessened in any way. The vitality and the diversity and the flourishing of creation rebounds with praise and glory to God. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Or or listen to Psalm 96, I think this one's on the screen. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. The Lord gives and gives and gives. And in return, he receives praise and joy and delight from all that he has made. The Lord gives life and life gives praise. His generosity creates an abundance of delight in him. Or, or think for a moment about God's greatest gift. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God gives his son. He gives him over to death. And does God lose out? Is his cup emptied in any way? No, again, his generosity leads to abundance. In Hebrews chapter 2, the writer says that through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, 
Jesus brings many sons and daughters to glory. And at the end of his mission, Jesus says this, Hebrews 2, verse 13, Here I am with the children God has given me. Jesus brings many sons and daughters to glory. Here I am with the children that God has given me. This week I was talking to my, uh, my, my friend Tom Ash. He's a, a pastor in, um, in Slovakia, in, in Bratislava. And if you've been following the news, then you know that a number, well, hundreds of thousands of refugees have flooded into Slovakia. And Tom Ash and his wife Sylvia said, we could offer a family a room in our flat to come and stay. So Sylvia headed to the central station in Bratislava. She found a mom and a daughter, and she brought them home. And you can imagine Tom Ash opening the door and seeing Sylvia, and Sylvia saying, here I am with a family to care for. The Father sends his Son to rescue people, to save us from sin and death and judgment, and the Son dies in order to save us. But the Father doesn't lose the Son. His cup isn't emptied in any way because the Son returns. And not only that, he returns with a family, with sons and daughters. And he says to his Father, here I am, return with the children we have saved. God's generosity does not leave God empty. It creates even more abundance. He gives one son and he receives millions upon millions back. And when we, in Christ, trusting in Christ, show generosity, there's a sense in which our generosity can lead to more abundance. Listen to this virtuous, this beautiful circle uh, back in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God gives to us abundantly so abundantly that in all things and at all times we have all that we need so that we can abound in every or all good works so that we can give out and bless others. But then the cycle starts again. It's not that we've given out and now we're emptied. No, God blesses us abundantly again. We think the more generous we are, the more we give, the emptier we will be. But that is not how it works with God. The more generous we are, the more abundance we'll have. With God, with the time and talents and treasures and opportunities he's given us, the more generous we are, the more abundance we'll have. Now, does that mean we will get more money or a bigger house? Well, do you know what? Maybe. I know that sounds shocking, but if the Lord sees that you can be trusted with wealth, if he thinks that giving you this will enable his kingdom to grow and you to serve and build up others, well then yes, maybe. But the abundance you see is not necessarily a return on what you gave. The abundance could be elsewhere. An abundance of joy in your heart now. The joy of being able to Partner with God in giving to spread his kingdom. Or joy that you are storing up for glory when you will see 
people that you didn't even know of, but who were there because of your generosity in giving. Or, or experience an abundance now of growing in compassion, of growing in patience or love or contentment. I mentioned Tom Ash a moment ago, and as we were chatting um, on the phone, he told me about how their lives had been so turned upside down by uh, the many refugees that have come into Slovakia. And the church that he pastors, um, they've been doing lots of different things. They've driven into Ukraine to link up with uh, sister churches there and, and to help people escape. That They've come together to provide essentials. They've just rented out five flats in, in the center of Bratislava to house families. And as I say, Tomas and Sylvia have been, been hosting a family themselves. And they've poured themselves out. They have abounded in good works. If you know Tomas, he was already busy before. He was an, an, a pastor of a church. He was an anesthetist in a hospital. He, he did some part-time kind of paramedic work. And I said to him, look, do you feel spent? Do you feel empty? They were the words I was using before I kind of even looked at this. And we were talking about that. And he said, well, yes, in some ways. We, we've given and we've given and we've given. They've abounded in generosity. He was tired. But he also said this, the whole experience has changed me. I have grown in compassion. I have grown in kindness. I have renewed energy and a renewed emotional resilience. I am a different person because of what we have been through. That is the kind of abundance that we can enjoy as we serve the Lord by being generous. We may not get a return on what we have given but the Lord will give back to us something of greater value, perhaps. We're not left empty. We're left abounding. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And the cycle will start again. So God is abundantly generous. And his generosity leads to abundance. And just as we finish, I want to, 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 to finish off with two principles to help us in our generosity. How to be abundantly generous. And for these last few moments, we, we are going to focus on, on giving. On the treasure side of that list. Time, talents, and treasure. So, two things to finish off with. First, from verse 7. Give thoughtfully. Give thoughtfully. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 9, each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give. Be thoughtful, considered in your giving. Now, I wonder if some of us might be in danger of giving away too much. Being generous does not mean being reckless. So, so we have responsibilities to look after ourselves and those dependent upon us. We, we have a responsibility to look after our future self saving money now so that we're not an unnecessary burden on others in the future. You see, as we think about being generous, we don't want to be reckless. And as we think about being generous, we don't want to fall into the trap of despising the good things that God has given us. We'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. No, being thoughtful means being deliberate. I can't tell you how much you should give away 
The Bible does talk about giving away 10%. Christians will disagree whether that's still uh, the, the norm that we should keep to, but I think it's a good starting point. Some should give more, some perhaps less. But budget, work out your income, your, your, your outgoings. Listen to the wisdom of others and be generous. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So give thoughtfully. I should say, when I talk about giving here, I mean, yes, there is a responsibility to the church, but giving is, is, is broader than that. We have to be generous to all kinds of people. Give thoughtfully. Second, give cheerfully. Verse 7 again, each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There are many things, aren't there, that will motivate us to give. But do you know what I think the biggest thing is? It's guilt, probably, isn't it? We feel guilty that we have a comfortable life, a good salary or, or nice things. And so in order to make ourselves feel better, to, to, to assuage that guilt, we give. But that is a terrible reason to give. You will give reluctantly and under compulsion. It will shrivel your soul and grow you in bitterness towards God and others. Now, if we're wealthy, and most of us are by the world's standards, do not start with guilt, start with thankfulness. All good things come from the Lord, says Paul in 1 Timothy, and they are to be received with thanksgiving. Do not start with guilt, start with thankfulness. So don't give because of guilt, don't give because you've been manipulated. No, instead give cheerfully, give joyfully. So many reasons why you can do that. Cheerful because we see the good that our gift is doing. Cheerful because through us and through our giving, the Lord can bring relief and grace and help to others. Cheerful because through our giving, the gospel of salvation and life can be furthered to the ends of the earth. Cheerful. Because when we give, we show our hearts that we are not controlled by money. It's liberating. Cheerful because God delights in a cheerful giver. I enjoy the smile of my Father. A wonderful blessing that is. So give thoughtfully, give cheerfully. Now I think too long we have been shaped by the lie that God is not generous. We have heard what Bart Simpson says, God, we paid for all this, thanks for nothing. You think that God is holding back. Look, none of that is true. Read the Bible. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at the cross. Look at your own life. And see the abundance of God's generosity. See, if we are going to be cheerfully generous, then we need to have our eyes and hearts fixed upon our generous God. As I daily reflect on his gracious and generous heart, then my heart is shaped. As I daily give thanks for his provision. As I daily confess my sin and then rejoice in his abundant forgiveness. As I bring to mind the blessings that are now mine in Christ, given to me freely and abundantly by my Father in heaven, then my heart softens and my hands Open, and generosity shapes my life. 
We're going to finish um, after communion singing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And we sing these words, Tune my heart to sing your praise. That's where cheerful generosity starts, when our hearts are tuned towards the fount of every blessing, our Lord and our Saviour. A couple of moments of quiet, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer. I'm going to read these words from Ron Chronicles 29, David's response to the Lord. He says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have only given what first came from your hand. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would impress upon our hearts more than anything how abundantly generous you are, that our hearts might be shaped by that. In Jesus' name, amen.